Vegas Nation is sponsored by Station Casino's STN Sports. Download the app today and get a bonus up to $100 when you sign up. You're listening to Vegas Nation. It's time for Takeaways with me, Heidi Fang. Welcome, everybody, to the Takeaways edition of the Vegas Nation podcast. It's your host here, Heidi Fang. And today I'm joined by a familiar voice that some of you who listen to Raider Nation Radio will be very in tune with. That is Clay Baker, the host of the Morning Tailgate. Uh, As I co-host the show, we're kind of talking about this being the fourth hour of the morning tailgate. (laughs) And before we get going with that, and before I bring in Clay, I want to remind everybody to hit subscribe wherever you are listening. And also we are brought to you by SDN Sports. Download the mobile app today and get a bonus of up to $100 when you sign up. That's with Station Casinos. All right, Clay, let's talk Raiders as we do usually three hours a day, 7 a.m. to 10 a.m. on 920 a.m. here in Las Vegas. Uh, First of all, thank you again for joining me and coming on today. Oh, thanks for having me. I, I, I'm a big fan of Vegas Nation, your podcast, and you know, and, and having this fourth hour, it seems like we can kind of go and you know, kind of like put some tail ends to the binding questions that never had full answers, and maybe we can find out the secrets to what the Raiders are going to do post June first. Right. Again, the money that had been part and attached to the contracts of Carl Nassib and Corey Littleton, that money becomes available. That's what Clay is referring to post June one. Right now, the Raiders, uh, when that money becomes available, looking at about a $19 million cap space and availability to take care of some business. And that's what we were talking about on the show this morning. So in this fourth hour, Clay, I'm going to start with your take on what the Raiders should take care of first. Because a lot of the talk that we've been hearing is sign Hunter Renfro's contract, get that done first. Yeah, you got to take care of some business in the house, right? And, you know, you got enough money out there to say, look, I want to make sure that, you know, the foundations of this new crew going forward, they got taken care of. And Hunter Renfro is somebody that, you know, you really can't just, you know, you can't go any further on this Raiders offense without saying, He was an integral part of last year's success, getting to 10 wins. And basically those last four wins of the season of the regular year, regular season was all Hunter Renfro. Every defense knew that he was getting the ball and he was still finding ways to succeed. So, um, you know, it's crazy to see what the market is for a premium slot receiver because Christian Kirk took all the money (laughs) and he changed the market forever. And so now you're not going to get an affordable number for Hunter Renfro, but is he willing to work it? Because every time the Raiders have gone out there to actually go and extend an extension for some of their pillars and look at Max Crosby and Derek Carr, like those two guys, they're still team friendly deals. So if you got to do that with Hunter Renfro, I'd have to imagine it's got to be a friendly deal as well, but I'm still the opinion like, look, all right, Hunter gets taken care of, but you got to take care of Darren Waller too this year. So if you're going to use this money, use it wisely and at least let Darren Waller know that he will be taken care of if not now, but later. And that's interesting to me because I think I keep, you know, saying that I think Darren Waller should wait it out a year. What do you feel is the benefit to bringing Darren Waller back now as far as the contract and money? Okay, well, you still got that flexibility, right? And because of the the affordability of his contract, it allows you to do so many different things. But in the same regard, there's a psychological thing that's going on there because before Devonte Adams was signed, uh, Darren Waller was your superstar. You know, when you bring over, you know, uh, uh, Devontae Adams in that, in that trade, it kind of sent a deal like, all right, 
we don't have to rely on the normal guy like Darren Waller anymore. And I wonder if how that sits with Darren Waller. You know, this is that moment of time where a team coming off 10 wins and a playoff berth wants to get further ahead. But with a new regime, Darren Waller is not necessarily their guy. But in a time in which you have a Josh McDaniels offense that is predicated on two tight end sets and tight ends are gigantic focal points for this offense to be successful, you got to understand that Darren Waller is going to be that 10 target, 10, at least 10 targets a game guy. He's going to be somebody that's going to be integral in the red zone but also expected to do all the other things the tight ends are doing in the, uh, in the Josh McDaniels offense. So if not now, when, and then what's that number when, when comes. So I would have to think with uh, you know, the numbers that are going out there now for certain tight ends in this market, you might as well find a way to make him happy now, but make it a team friendly deal. So it doesn't hurt the cap this year. If it does sort of affect the cap, let it be for next year, just like everyone else's deals. I love it. I love the idea of trying to take care of in-house as well as going after some of these sought after free agents. Uh, right now, I think the big name that we've been talking about, and I mean that both literally and figuratively, Nadamakansu, he's somebody that I think can be a force on this line. And I've been kind of gradually growing on this idea of Ndamukong Sue being a part of the Raiders if it does come to fruition. But Clay, we've heard a lot of different takes on this. Where do you put this guy in the mix of being a, a Raider and how well he might be able to perform for this team? Okay, so when you have a defensive line with the Raiders right now, none of those guys really have that outstanding like intimidation factor. You know, Bilal Nichols, Vernon Butler, like, do those guys, like, you know, uh, like move the, uh, the, the barometer uh, and the needle for you to say, like, whoa, got to watch out for those guys, those big bodies on the line there at nose tackle and at defensive tackle? Like, they don't. But Dominic Sue does. Just by one guy alone, he can kind of change the complexion of what this team could be going forward. And he is that badass guy, that guy that can really push other people around, but at the same time, kind of lift. The guys around him, that's what I would want from Dama Sue because he is still, even at his age, able to do that. So as, as you see, you know, like you're talking about the defensive tackle presence there, what else can be done on that line to kind of bring up the, turn up the volume, so to speak, and bring in people that are high quality, high caliber. But on the flip side of it, I think a lot of people are also looking at Daryl Williams, who was last a right tackle with the Buffalo Bills as being a viable offensive lineman to bring in, to really solidify that side of the offensive line. What do you think it would take to bring in somebody like Daryl Williams? And uh, can, can the Raiders feasibly try to lock in this guy as well as taking care of Renfro and maybe even bringing in Ndamukong Sue. I think it would, it would take a couple things. Number one, it would take like uh, a considerable amount of uncertainty about Alex Leatherwood being able to play right tackle. If he's not able to go, then all these other guys that they brought in there, they're still just as like at the same sort of level. I would have to think from Jermaine Illuminor uh, to Parker, Brandon Parker, like how much more can you go on and say, all right, we're going to try to like find the right role here. No, no, no. If you have a guy like a right tackle, like Daryl Williams, who's had a long career of steady influence, consistent play in pass blocking and in run blocking, then yeah, you go get it. Because we've seen before where guy uh, like Josh McDaniels would have no hesitation about signing Trent Brown, whether he's a personality conflict or not. He knows when he has that guy on the field and he's available, nobody can get past him. 
Derek Carr needs that. Derek Carr needs that certainty. Josh McDaniels needs that certainty. And after all this time, I would have to think that everybody in the Raiders group through the OTAs and through camps and Carmen Brasillo, the offensive line coach, they have a pretty good idea who's going forward. And if they make a move for Daryl Williams, it means a lot of these young guys, they never got to fruition. Yeah, and there are a lot of young faces on this team right now. And that's why one of the things that you and I have been talking about, Clay, is bringing in somebody that is really going to bring a veteran presence. That's, again, the name Ndamukongsu really does bring that along with him as well. So when you think about maybe other faces that are available out there in the free agent market that can really bring a solid veteran presence uh, in addition to Ndamukongsu, who would you say could be a good addition to this team in that aspect? Hey, I want veteran presence in the secondary. I want guys who have the ability and understanding of quarterbacks, tendencies, and can go and get interceptions. And for a team like the Raiders with only six interceptions on defense last year and 10 the year before, That's not good enough. So I would be okay to even sprinkle some money on a Joe Hayden, sprinkle some money on Chris Harris, who spurned the Raiders a couple years ago to go with the Chargers because the Chargers were going to offer more dough. But you see in a system like this, what does Patrick Graham really want? I would have to think that, you know, all the young available talent that was out there in free agency, they're gone. So I think you now have to go and err on the side of, veteran experience get a chris harris get a joe hayden patrick peterson and find out if they can go and find the fountain of youth the way casey hayward did for the raiders last year great stuff clay before we had to break i wanted to get your take on the madden game because as we've known for many years the John Madden has consistently found different faces, different athletes to be on the cover of this game. It's been a very long time. I believe in the early phases of this game that John Madden was on the cover. He returns to the cover for 2023. Just what kind of tribute does that pay to the former Raiders great coach? I think it's uh, the best thing you could have done for this game uh, because EA Sports and John Madden, they were able to create something that was beyond a video game. In fact, you would you would never hear any of the players ever say, like, I'm going to play a video game. They would just say, I'm going to play Madden. So now to put him on the cover, the namesake, makes all the sense in the world, especially when you think the millions of units that were sold over the years, it's absolutely mind-boggling. And all, at the same time, doesn't it give, like, a, a sigh of relief for anyone else who was going to be put mm-hmm. on the cover? No yes. voice of Madden curse. You no longer have that. And it's also a way to finally say – Thank you, John Madden. Thank you, coach, because the all Madden additions and the all Madden team, they all have such reverence for the players and for the people who have bought those games over the years. Let's give it that one chance. And I wouldn't wouldn't be surprised if that becomes like a limited edition poster of whatever they want to use for Madden on the cover. I think that time has come and it's finally here. Yeah. And when you think about just, again, you mentioned there with the curse, (laughs) Uh, maybe this is a way to reset everything. Yes, finally. Like there could be uh, like exoneration for uh, guys who were out there for all those years. And, and and really like that was a real thing. I mean, let's face it. That was something that people were beginning to cringe at because uh, look who just made the cover. Sorry, dude. And uh, you know what? For Madden now, it takes a relief. But, you know, what about if you were able to go and take some of this money that you get from the Madden and, yes. and spread it around to the stuff that the John Madden foundations have been a part of, and at least give that, you know, take the corporate edge off, spread that money around for what John Madden really loved, because we know from his memorials and uh, ever since uh, he passed away, 
all the people and foundations that were like kind of came up and said, you know, John never wanted to talk about this publicly, but he helped our high school. He built our high school field out of his, the money in his pocket, like that kind of stuff. I want to see that come around a long way because without John Madden's influence for those foundations and charities, where would they be? Exactly. And uh, the Raiders continue to do great things out here in the community. I think up next, Kenyon Drake is going to have a uh, event at Mandalay Bay on Thursday. It's a great cause called Smile Train. They try to raise money for kids who can't get oral surgery or take care of things like cleft palates that need to be taken care of. So the Raiders are always uh, omnipresent here in the community of Kenyon Drake coming up with an event and that happening at the Mandalay Bay this Thursday, uh, excuse me, next Thursday, June 9th, six o'clock in the evening. So uh, make sure to check out Kenyon Drake on Twitter for that at KDX32. Right now, we'll go take a quick break. And when we come back, Clay and I are going to review some of the position groupings. We'll also get his take on the new regime. As he previously mentioned, I wanted to get Clay's take on some of what's going on with the Raiders at headquarters as we are still in OTA's mini camp coming up. So stay tuned right here on the takeaways edition of the Vegas nation podcast. Locals know the STN Sports app is the most trusted sports betting app in Nevada. They have convenient sign-up locations across Las Vegas. So download the STN Sports app today. Welcome back to the Vegas Nation Takeaways Edition. It's your host here, Heidi Fang. We're brought to you by Station Casinos, STN Sports. Download the mobile app today and get a bonus of up to $100 when you sign up. I'm joined with Raider Nation Radio's Clay Baker, the host of the Morning Tailgate, 7 a.m., 10 a.m. You can also check it out on lvsportsnetwork.com. Clay, thank you again for joining me here on the show. Uh, right now, I want to get your take on... First, the new regime. What do you make of the first impressions that you got from seeing the team in OTAs? I think you're getting a chance to see a guy like Josh McDaniels shed all that everyone remembered about him with his experience in Denver as head coach. He has now been able to kind of like bottle everything he learned, good and bad, and now getting a chance to do it himself. And what he's done is that he's established his own identity. He doesn't have to be like Bill Belichick, nor does he have to be like John Gruden. I think now, I think he's had so much time to think about how he would do it, ever given the chance, and now he's doing it his way. It's his identity. And at at the same time, everyone wants to go and say, all right, what you did in New England, we're going to replicate that and duplicate those systems in Las Vegas. I think if you look at it even further, and you and I have discussed this, this Raiders offense, for example, has considerably more talent than what the Patriots ever did when Josh was there. They're laden with talent. Once they get the offensive line figured out, everything else is really going to click. That's the only thing they need to really develop and figure out. And at that point, what Josh was doing during OTAs, I think was really moving because we would hear players talk about, yeah, Josh is really hard on us. He wants competition on everything, individual drills, seven on sevens. And when you saw the team, the offense, take a lap, after they were playing very sloppily and those portions open to media, it showed you that there's a certain love for accountability that this team wants. I think they need it. They kind of yearn for it because they know 
This is the kind of stuff that we cannot let slide. If we're sloppy now in May, we're going to be sloppy in September. So they took a lap. They did their own accountability, their own regulation of punishment. And that alone lets me know that Josh's influence is very strong. And they're not leaving nothing to be taken for granted. And if this team wants to go further, that's a good indication that they are. Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more on that. The accountability is something that this team is really going to benefit from uh, kind of stepping up and taking some ownership out there on the field with everything that happens. It can't be the excuses of, well, we were learning under a new coach or we weren't quite sure the install. There's no, this is a no excuses season. This is the must win now era with the Raiders. You could feel that. And as we start to kind of feel that and look at it and analyze it, Clay, because there'll be a lot of that as training camp comes up. I want to get an early take here at the roster and mm-hmm. kind of look through it and say, you know, what kind of confidence level? Let's grade it A to F. <laughs> the level okay. of confidence that you have on each position here on the roster. I'm going to start with what you just mentioned, the offensive line, a few new names there, a couple draft picks, Dylan Parham, as well as Thayer Munford Jr. Uh, Bam Olaseni is another new name that they brought in. What do you look and see on paper when you take a look at the offensive line and knowing what it was last year as well. I would, uh, if we were actually in school, I'd give it an incomplete, but because Kel- Colton Miller is there, he brings it up to a C. All that and all those ingredients are still so unproven. You have, you know, rookies that could be starters. You have unproven veterans that have been in the league long enough to know better, and you still don't have a clear definitive answer. So I give that a C. I I can't go much further than that because I have to see it to believe it. Okay, C. Okay, C for the offensive line. A D? Uh, You know what? I thought you said, I'm sorry, I couldn't make it out. (laughs) No, no, no. I was saying C, 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 C. I I have a D. Okay. So here's the quarterbacks. Let's look at this department. Uh, We have four right now on the roster with Jared Stidham being the latest addition via trade. Uh, Nick Mullins and Chase Garber is also new to the mix here in the quarterback room. And of course, the incumbent Derek Carr. What grade do you give this position grouping? I give it a B because you still need to find that true number two. Uh, It's not somebody that's going to compete for a number one job. Derek has already picked up the offense quite clearly, according to Josh McDaniels. But, hey, you have to have some certainty at number two. And Nick Mullins doesn't necessarily do it for me. Jared Stidham, if he was so good, then why did Cam Newton start in 2020? I need to see something that comes out of that. So right now it's just a B with really like the, the the placeholder as being Derek Carr. I need to see more. And moving on to the running backs. There's a lot of running backs in the mix, Clay. More than I would have thought uh, to be brought in where you're wondering who is going to be the odd man out when you talk about Amir Dula, uh, Kenyon Drake, Josh Jacobs, Brandon Bolden, Samir White, Britton Brown, and Jacob Johnson at fullback. What do you think of this group? Okay, I uh, I give that an A. I mean, you can find another team that has better depth at running back. You just can't. Uh, these all these backs do so many different things so well. But let's face it, uh, they want to make sure that short yardage and red zone is no longer a problem. And for the Raiders, the last couple of years, even with a good running back system, it still didn't work. And whatever they tried to do last year with Kenyon Drake and Josh Jacobs should be thrown out the window. I don't think that they're going to go forward with this Raiders regime allowing. You know, Kenyon Drake to have like, you know, less than three carries or less than three targets a game. There's got to be something, you know, more and more beneficial for all these guys. But for me, Kenyon Drake could also be one of the first guys 
out because you know they love Brandon Bolden. They would have brought him over. They love Samir White, who they drafted. And Josh Jacobs is somebody that is a very capable back. So it makes you wonder, out of all those guys, who's going to remain? They can't keep them all. I would have to think Kenyon Drake, sadly, might be one of those guys that gets pushed out just mm. in the mere attrition. Hot take right there. All right, as we continue going down here through the tight ends, you mentioned Darren Waller earlier and the importance of getting his contract redone. But as you start to see the position grouping here, uh, I don't think he'd be in any jeopardy of being the starter <laughs> tight end. Uh, you have Jacob Hollister, Foster Moreau, Travis Coons, Cole Fotheringham, and Nick Bowers in addition to Darren Waller. Grade this grouping, Clay. I want to grade Cole Featheringham's last name. Uh, yes. what, what, what is the derivation in? Like, where did that culture come from? What, a Featheringham. Is it, is it a ham with do, I know. Do, do pigs fly where Cole is from? I mean, it's interesting. I, I, I'd, like to, I'd like to say, oh, this is an A group because you got Foster coming back. And, and it's not. This group it needs to get better. And I'm sorry. Like, you need red zone targets if you're going to be a tight end. Darren Waller is a mismatch at every level. But he can't do it all. So if you're looking at a team that needs to get better in the red zone, they need to acquire a Jimmy Graham, Kyle Rudolph. I love Kyle Rudolph. Why not Gronk? Gronk is still out there. Yeah. Like this, this group still needs to help. So I can't give this any more than a B. Uh, I mean, it, and it really should be an A. But right now it's a B and a work in progress. All right. With wide receivers, I think I know where you're going to go with this one. Uh, the main addition, the newest, biggest addition, the shiny new toy the Raiders have, Devontae Adams. Uh, of course, Keelan Cole and Demarcus Robinson also bringing some depth to this position. Now, what do you see when you look at the wide receiver core of the Raiders? I see finally the explosive offense uh, Raider Nation has been longing for. An explosion, I mean, like where you are getting guys on one-on-one matchups down the field that no one else can account for. The Raiders have that. And I, it kind of goes uncertain because I don't think people, uh, you know, and nationally are looking at how strong this wide receiver group is. And again, I don't think Josh McDaniels has ever had a more talented wide receiver group than what he's got right now. Everyone's going to be fighting for position. And it makes you wonder, like, even where does Mac Hollins come up out of all this? Because he's a guy that has been very, very uh, reliable in Miami. But I love the certain signings because they got guys who are not only explosive downfield, uh, can make the first guy miss, have some pretty good yak, but what they do well is they block well downfield. Uh, uh, what you got with uh, Demarcus Robinson is a guy that for years has not only been a great diversion for everything else the Kansas City Chiefs are running, but he can block downfield better than almost any receiver out there. So right now, you finally have that bridge where you can say we can go long, we can go short, and we can move the ball with the wide receivers alone. It's almost superfluous what we might do at running back because the wide receivers are so rich. I like that. I like that a lot. There's so much, to, I think, to tinker with with the wide receivers. So many toys, so many possibilities. You know, what's really funny is I was just looking down at my shirt and found that I had a Paw Patrol Band-Aid stuck to me. Awesome. Um, and I just now noticed it. I've been probably walking around with this all day, which makes me think of dogs, Clay. And that's why I want to get into the defense. Where are the dogs at on the defense, Clay? <laughs> Great bark, by the way. I'm grading that one an A. When you look at the defensive line, who's going to be that big dog there? They've got a lot of defensive tackle signs, including uh, Neil Farrell, the, one of the new rookies that they brought in, drafted Matthew Butler. Um, but overall, do you feel like they've really solidified their defensive line with the players that they are going to be certain to have, or, or do they need a guy like Indomitian Sue to be ugly, mean, and nasty? 
They need them. They need something like that because I am not intimidated by Bilal Nichols. I'm not uh, worried about Matthew Butler. I mean, those are or Vernon Butler either. Like those guys, they need somebody else to kind of rise the entire grouping. And Damakin Su can do that. You know, and it's it's one thing to have the experience factor, but he is somebody that kind of goes everywhere and wins everywhere. Even with the uh, with the Lions uh, going in the wrong direction, every time Indama Kinsu was on the field, he gave that putrid franchise a chance to win. Now, the Raiders have a lot of talent, young talent, and their bodies, the bodies on that defensive line are behemoths, they're gigantic, but they need some energy. They need some push. If it comes in a guy like Indama Kinsu, you know what? I think you go and give him the money. If you have to overspend a little bit more post-June 1st, he's the guy you would do it for. What kind of grade would you give this defensive line, Clay? It's still a C because um, even with uh, Hankins and Bilal Nichols and Pico and Malcolm Coots, I, I still have to see it. I, I want to see what this looks like on paper. It doesn't look like much, to be honest with you. In comparison to other depth charts, even in the AFC West, mm-hmm. it still looks like it's a player or two away. And I'm not sure if they're going to be able to find it all because getting late in the game, it's hard to find this kind of skill position that will fit what Patrick Graham wants to do. So I give it a C. Let's get into the meat of the defense as the linebackers. Uh, Right now, I'm not, uh, this is one of the groupings I'm not fully sold on. I still want to see more depth added here. And uh, the, I think, key player that we all look to to be the alpha in the linebacker core would be Denzel Perryman. But out of the names, you know, Darian Butler, Kyler Fackerel, Jayon Brown, who, who do you think also might be a standout in the linebacker core? And what grade do you give this group? All right. I, I think Jayon Brown is going to surprise a lot of people as well as Kyler Fackrell because they not only have the ability to play and run and in pass, but there's somebody that can also spell um, Denzel Perryman a little bit because a lot was asked out of him last year. That kind of season he had came out of nowhere. And you know, to ask for a, a second act out of that might be a little bit too much. They do. You know what? God, Heidi, last year, linebacker was like our biggest focal point of like the weak spot. Did it get improved from last year? I see a lot of names there, but are they better than Nick Kwiatkowski, Javen White, um, Corey Littleton? You know what? Or are they just kind of like right there in the mix, just a tick above? If it's just a tick above, then you still need to add somebody. I, I would like to think that Patrick Graham has the right kind of idea of what he wants out of his linebackers. So maybe we're looking at it from a different lens of what we've seen previously, but man, doesn't it look just like a little scary thin at linebacker? It looks like they're like at least another yeah. player or two away from what you would want from like a, a Super Bowl contending linebacking crew. So as you look at the secondary now, and of course the safeties and the cornerbacks will be all grouped together here. Uh, a couple new faces there in Rocky Yassine and Anthony Averett, uh, you know, familiar faces like Nate Hobbs and Trayvon Mullen, Merrick uh, Abram. Uh, yeah. When you look at this group, uh, how do you grade them coming in? Or is this another incomplete? Because sometimes to me, I look at it and it feels like an incomplete to me, Clay. I, you know, sometimes I have to catch myself from wanting to be like, too optimistic where I'm filling in the gaps, you know, like the gaps of the unknown. I'm like, well, giving them the benefit of the doubt. And that's where I have to catch myself because it's like, why? Why give them benefit of the doubt? There are so many guys in the secondary who are finally getting their chance to really start uh, the year as the incumbent starter. You know, like Anthony Averett uh, wasn't your day one starter, but he got in there because of injury. Uh, even a guy like Rock Yassine wasn't able to, uh, you know, fully be a starter, but now he's going to get a chance to elevate for that. Darius Phillips, Tyree Gillespie. 
you know what? I am just not sold on these guys being the answer because I have never seen them play a full year at those positions. So what we're doing is we're asking for another Denzel Perryman gem to come out of the bag and be like, I am the guy. But you know what? A lot of people around the league do feel that way about guys like Deron Harmon. You know what? And I'm a guy who feels that way about Jonathan Abram because I have seen, and you have too, a guy who's trying to get better, a guy who doesn't want to come off the field when there's passing situations, somebody who's trying to improve at every facet of his game. And I, I was kind of surprised that he wasn't given the fifth-year option. But at the same time, I think he's coming in with a chip on his shoulder because he's looking around the room saying like, wow, there's hardly anybody here. And at the same time, they still – after all said and done, how many? who's going to be the cornerback next year? That room is going to be empty if they don't find some real answers there. So I have to give the cornerback room a C and the secondary another B because uh, with guys like Trayvon Merrick and John Abram, at least that provides some uh, ability of familiarity and continuity last year, and now it's all trust on Patrick Graham. I am trusting Patrick Graham, and I am somebody that is very hard to trust other people. <laughs> All right. So do you trust Trent Notham Sieg and the rest of the specialists to be able to yes. lock things down as they did on special teams? Although I do not want to see Daniel Carlson being the leading scorer on the team. Uh, Daniel Carlson, again, leading the league in short field goals, field goals less than 32 yards. Again, the leader like he was in 2020, 2021. You can't have this. That means there's red zone problems. We love Daniel Carlson. But enough already. He can't be the one and only guy that goes and provides at least some points on the board. What I want to see is A.J. Cole and uh, Carlson and Trent Sieg with no thumbs get into like a brawl for all. You know, you put them all in a, uh, a match, like a wrestling match, and you tie their hands together with a leather strap. It's called the Texas Death Match. And uh, anybody who comes out of the ring or is able to like free themselves out of the leather strap wins. And I love those three guys. They work well together. And I think they would have a good time with that. Therefore, they earn an A. Because as long as AJ Cole is allowed to talk, then that's always going to be an A-plus for me. I love it. Great stuff. And we will get another opportunity to find out more about this team and how things will unfold on the field for them tomorrow, which is Thursday, June 2nd. Uh, the media session has just been released as far as the information and we'll get some coaches and players to speak to as well. So we'll deliver all of that to you and more uh, here on the takeaways podcast, as well as with Raider nation radio and clay Baker. Clay, thank you so much for taking the time to join me today. Tell everybody where to follow you on social media well you can follow me on twitter at clay baker radio and live every day on raider nation radio from 7 a.m to 10 a.m pacific with my very good friend heidi fang who <laughs> i adore and i'm a big fan of takeaways so it's a real honor to be on your podcast thanks for having me oh i'm so glad that we finally got to do this and locked it in i appreciate your time as always and everybody don't forget to hit subscribe wherever you are listening and also check out all of our raiders coverage on vegasnation.com for clay baker i'm heidi fang thank you so much for listening Locals know the STN Sports app is the most trusted sports betting app in Nevada. They have convenient sign-up locations across Las Vegas. So download the STN Sports app today.